Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is on a lot of people's minds as we head into the new year. What are the possibilities for 2022 and beyond? How can we do things differently and better? Should we be trying to reinvent ourselves? And what kind of New Year's resolutions should we be making, if any? It's my pleasure to welcome the highly sought-after speaker and best-selling author, Brendan Watt, to the show. Brendan is proof that anyone can reinvent themselves. He was a self-confessed complete loser 10 years ago and found himself broke, miserable, and living in a spare bedroom in his mother's house with his five-year-old son. He then made a huge demand that he was going to change his life, and now he has. Now he's a successful author and speaker with investments across the world, including a castle in Italy, land in Costa Rica, and he is part owner of the Antique Guild in Australia, and he is one of the leading facilitators and speakers with Access Consciousness a global company in 176 countries. It is my honor to welcome Brendan to the show. Brendan, welcome to the show. Hi, Tina. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really excited about our conversation today. We have so much ground to cover and it's really very timely information and I'm really looking forward to it. So to get ourselves started, why don't you tell us about you and your background and how you launched on your professional and personal path that you're on today. Oh, it's been a journey. Um, (laughs) I grew up in Australia. I currently live in the US, but only for the last two years. But I grew up, I spent my life in Australia up until two years ago. And basically, well, I grew up with very normal family. and But there was also a lot of abuse and, and there was poverty and there was different things that I just basically grew up unhappy and I thought that that was the only way to be for a lot of my life until 11 years ago, I found Access Consciousness and and started using the tools and changing my life around. And it's interesting to look at it now because it's like, if I would have been told, I don't know, 15 years ago that I would be where I am now, I just would have thought they were crazy. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey growing up with all of that and And getting to a point, I guess I got to a point in my life when I was 30 and I basically had a hit rock bottom. I just went, you know what? I'm not happy at all. I was waking up every day depressed and just, I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to get there. And my life just started turning around once I started using these tools and basically changing the way that I was functioning. So So let's talk a little bit. Simone Millicis was on our show, it was probably a good 18 months ago now. Uh And I know that you know her well. And she also taught us quite a bit about access consciousness. But for those of our listeners who may need to have their recollection refreshed or who may not have caught our interview with Simone, can you explain to our listeners what access consciousness is? Yes. It's a set of tools and processes, basically, basically designed to change any area of your life that's not working. And so for me, it was it was about changing from where I decided that in the beginning, it was about changing. I decided that I couldn't be happy. I couldn't have money. I couldn't have a relationship that worked. I couldn't have, it was all that I couldn't have. And 
the way access works is basically getting you into question. So I went from, I can't do this to what's it going to take for me to create this? And I started being a question in my life and in using these tools and where it's, I mean, the company has exploded since, since I started 11 years ago and is in, I think we're in 176, 178 countries now. And it's a lot of people know about it and basically started changing my point of view. And I had a lot, like I had a lot of point of views about life not working. And as I started shifting that and changing the way that I function, basically my life started changing dramatically. So you had mentioned hitting rock bottom and I'm not one to dwell on the negative, but I think for those of our listeners out there for whom this conversation particularly resonates, can you explain what rock bottom looked like for you and what that inflection point looked like? Because obviously not only have you you know, really adopted the framework and the paradigm of access consciousness, but you are now an acclaimed business and life mentor and you're changing people's lives too. So can you explain what rock bottom looked like for you and what that inflection yeah. point looked like? Well, it was gradual. And I see that with a lot of us, like for me, it was gradual. So it was basically from child, you know, I was a happy little bubbly kid when I was a lot younger. And then it just, it started basically when I learned how to judge myself. So things started becoming either right and wrong. And I started becoming either good and bad and, you know, and everything I chose was either right and wrong or good and bad. And I just gotten to a point after basically after 30 years of trying to live a life that I thought I was supposed to live that never worked for me. And I left the relationship that I was in at the time. And I had a, my son then was four years old and I was sharing a bedroom at my mother's, I was sharing a bedroom with him at my mother's house. And I was just depressed, just did not know how to get happy, did not know what I wanted my future to be like, did not know how I was ever going to create a life for my son. And I woke up one day and, you know, he would wake up all happy and bouncy and dad, what are we doing today? And I'd be like, I just want to go back to bed. And I realized that in order to teach this kid that there was something else possible, I needed to start start choosing it. And so I just, I was sitting there one day and I just, I didn't know what to ask and just said, universe, God, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. whatever is up there, can you please help? I need something different and I need some help. And that next day in the newspaper, I found an ad that said, all of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory, call Mel. And I called this girl and she said, okay, I do this thing called the access consciousness bars. And at worst case, it'll be like, you've had a great massage. And at best case, your life will change. And I went, okay, cool. And I went and did this hands-on body process mm-hmm. with this girl. And, and she said, um, do, you, do you mind if I ask you a bunch of crazy questions and use this access consciousness clearing statement? And at that point, I was like, I don't care what you do. I need help. <laughs> and wow. so she did this. It was an hour and a half session. And I laid there on this massage table while she did this body process. And I sobbed for an hour and a half, like not cried, sobbed. And I didn't know where it was coming from. It was just apparently a lot of stuff releasing. And after it, I went and got in my car and I sat there and I was just like, wow, there's that peace I remember that I had as a kid. And my life from that day, just that peace started growing and that that wonder started growing in my world again. And the questions started being there. And it I started 
knowing that there had to be something else possible again. And that's been the gift in, that's been the gift for me in facilitating now because I have so much to draw upon. I didn't have this perfect, wonderful life. And, you know, so I have a lot of all of the things that went on while I was growing up, when I was a kid and when I was, you know, a teenager and getting older, all of those are to me now such a valuable part of me, I guess, because it made me who I am today also. So in talking with people about it, it's like, hey, I get it. I get that a lot of us have had things, you know, show up for us. And I get that a lot of us can get to a point where we're not happy, but there is always something else possible. Well, and it's really, that's a really wonderful segue to our particular conversation today, which this is the time of year we're heading into the holidays. It's been a crazy 20 months for us all worldwide, globally, as we are looking at trying to emerge from COVID once and for all, but where, you know, the curveballs keep coming. But apart from that, people are really trying to get a little bit of more normalcy back, trying to get together with their families and friends for the holidays. And it's that time of year again, where uh, New Year's resolutions, that topic comes up and I think has maybe a little bit more of a different meaning than it's had, you know, maybe even a couple of years ago because of everything that everyone's been through by way of COVID. And I know that you and I were chatting before about you know, New Year's resolutions, what do they mean? I think that they're symptomatic of something deeper, something very much in tune with what you were just saying, which is looking at ourselves in the mirrors and saying, what do we want in our lives? What do we think we need to change? And so let's start talking about the mystique of New Year's resolutions as a means to change things about ourselves and our lives that we think doesn't really work for us. Why are New Year's resolutions so powerful and do they really inspire meaningful change? Well, to be honest, I've never found them to work for me or a lot of people that I've talked to. And the one of the reasons being is a lot of people start them from judgment. So they'll go, well, this is wrong with me, so I need to change this. So in order to change from that place of judgment, it needs more judgment. And so you go from this thing of going, well, you know, I can't get my life right and it's wrong because of this. Let me change it. Keep only striving to get your life right. And it really takes us out of question of, okay, what else is actually possible here that I haven't considered? So, and for a lot of us, we, when we like, when we truly look at what we desire for a lot of us, we just desire to be greater. And so we have these ideas that, okay, well, I need this much money or this kind of car, or I drink too much, or I smoke too much, or I, or I argue with my wife or husband too much, you know, all of these things, but it's like, they're things. So, and for a lot of us, when we're, you know, say money, for example, if it's, I need to make more money, that's my new year's resolution. Anytime money doesn't show up, you go back into that place of wrongness. And then, so for what I've found it tends to create a lot more judgment in your life rather than a lot less, which is one of the biggest keys to creation is getting yourself out of that place of judgment and into the space of question where you can actually start allowing things to contribute to your life. So for me, I would say to people, it's like what get really honest with yourself with what it is you truly desire. And I mean, I know for me that one of the things I I just lights me up is 
facilitating. Like is be and that doesn't need to be on a stage or anything. It could be us talking right now. It's mm-hmm. like we both get greater from having a conversation. It's like that lights my life up. And when I have that as my point of view, everything else around me starts falling in place because I get more of me. So I would say to people, it's like, you know, look at what it is you truly desire and start, just start. I mean, one of the things I've found over the years is that first step can seem like toughest, but also once you take it and it might get a little uncomfortable or you might be stepping into something that you haven't been willing to step into before with, you know, like getting out of judgment of yourself. That's a huge thing. You know, those are really good points. And I'd like to maybe start with the judgment piece. You know, I think that can be a really tough thing to do to step outside of the judgment piece. What advice do you have for people to just stop judging themselves? Because I think sometimes people, I think it's one of those automatic things that you do and you don't even necessarily see that the lens through which you're looking at things is very judgmental, not just of others, but yourself. How do you counsel people to step outside of that judgment mode? Well, I would say, first of all, is acknowledge it, like start getting real. And for a lot of us, we get, we get in this, we don't even recognize and recognize that we're judging ourselves because we're living our lives on autopilot. We're basically just going about our day and not being present with ourselves in every moment. So first of all, is get really present with yourself, like know what it is you're choosing in every moment go, okay, so I, I chose that. And then what would I like to choose next so that you actually get present and then acknowledge when that judgment comes up and see, because as soon as you acknowledge something, you can change it. You acknowledge it for what it is and go, oh, wow, I'm judging myself again for, you know, not being able to create, or I'm judging my body again or whatever it is that, you know, because we'll all have main, we'll have a few things that we're extremely harsh on ourselves with, be present with that. And then, okay, what's a different choice that I have available here? And go to question. But first of all, acknowledge it. I mean, for me, I I was the harshest judger of myself that I knew. And I still do it occasionally. Like I still catch myself where I'm, where I'm, you know, where I go into, well, I'm wrong for this, or I have to get this right. And that's the other thing with judgment is it's got the two sides is it's got, well, you can make yourself wrong for something, which is, seems to be the thing that sticks us when we, you know, we feel bad about something. We've got all this crap coming up in our lives so we're making ourselves wrong but then the other side of the coin is we're trying to make our lives right so it's still basically same side of a different coin rather than okay what else is actually possible here that i'm not considering and question 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 with everything now more than ever especially with our our world right now is rather than go to go to this judgment or go to fight or go to right, go to wrong. It's okay. So what else is possible here that I'm not considering? What other questions do I have available right now that I could be asking? I mean, these are all really, really important things to think about. And Mm -hmm. I've got so many questions I want to ask, but (laughs) we only have an hour, unfortunately. So we're going to have to probably pick this up again at some point soon. But (laughs) one of the things that immediately comes to mind is how busy everybody is and how much Mm -hmm. worry and fatigue and stress there is, particularly in the midst of COVID. How do you recommend that people get to the mental place they need to be in, in order to even be able to have a meaningful dialogue with themselves about these very important issues? Okay. So first of all, the tool that helped me when I first 
came across access consciousness was we have a tool that's who does it belong to? And what we've found is 98% of your thoughts, your feelings, and your emotions don't even belong to you. Like we pick, we basically psychic sponges of everything around us. Like you'll walk in, notice if you walk into a room and you're, you know, you're all happy and bubbly and then somebody in that room is angry or pissed off or has something else going on. And then all of a sudden you have that going on for you is a lot of that, a lot of the stress, a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world right now, we're aware of it. We, whether we like to know it or not, we're all connected. So, you know, you might have a really good friend of yours having a hard time. You're going to be aware of that. So I would say, first of all, is ask the question, who does it belong to? And if it lightens up at all, then it's not yours and go from there. Because a lot of us are living our lives thinking everything that shows up for us is something that we need to handle. And the, I would say use that for the judgment thing that we talked about too, because you cannot change anything that is not yours. So if, you, you know, if you've got this anxiety coming up or stress with money or stress with your relationship or with you, basically with your future, which is what a lot of people have right now, and I get it, is first of all, start with that. Start with, okay, who does this belong to? And you might find that a lot of it starts lightening up. You start getting a bit more space or a lot more space in your world. Then you have a lot more space to ask questions, to basically be present in your life from. How do you create a space? You know, a lot of, there's been much more discussion, particularly I'd say the last several years, I mean, even in the context of what I do, I'm a lawyer in a very big law firm, but, you know, even we lawyers are talking about, and I've been a very big proponent of mindfulness and meditation for over 20 mm-hmm. years now. To what extent does a mindfulness practice, meditation, that sort of thing factor into getting yourself in the mindset and in a place where these important issues are where you're really able to tap into yourself and be able to figure out directionally where you're headed with these issues? Yeah, well, awesome question. Because that's I think that's the thing a lot of us are missing is we go, you know, we go into the the doom and gloom of you know, nothing's working, everything's going to be wrong. But that's, see, we basically, what shows up in our lives is what we're putting our attention on. So if we're putting our attention on, this is wrong, this is bad, I can't make money, my future is is doom and gloom, that's what's showing up for us. And so basically your point of view is creating your reality. Point of views that you have in your life are what's creating your reality. So that of adding space into your life and actually getting like, oh, okay, let me have some spaces. I mean, we have the, like I said before, the access consciousness bars, great tool for opening up more space in your world, but also that idea of getting present, like even if it's sitting, wherever you're sitting right now is find some contact points with your body, put your hand on your tummy, put your hand on your chest, feel your feet on the floor and actually feel yourself in your body and get present for a moment. and then. Notice how much more, like start to notice when you start getting more space in your world, in your body and in your world. And if you have that in your life and you get it and you go, oh, when that stress comes up, get present again. And also the other thing with this too is give yourself, and I get that a lot of people are busy too, but try and give yourself at least half an hour or an hour today to do something for you, like something that's nurturing 
to you, to your body, something that just gives you that sense of space. I mean, for me, I, I love being outside. I love riding horses. I love reading books, talking to people who I can contribute to, like different things. So find, even if that's write a list, write a list of some things that give you more of a sense of you. And when that starts slipping, when you feel that, oh, here comes the stress again or the anxiety again or the freak out again, get that list and go, okay, so what's a different choice I could make right now that would give me more of that sense of me? That's really great advice. And I think that, you know, there is a lot of discussion has been for years about really you, what you focus on, it's just, you know, what you focus on is what you create. And if you focus on what you don't want, then that ends up leading to more of what you don't want, which actually is a great segue to my next question, which Mm -hmm. is self-sabotage. You know, obviously a really important part of what you teach folks around what we're discussing today. Something that if we were to ask people whether they would ever willingly sabotage their life, their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations, they would say absolutely not. But when you're counseling people and really trying to make a meaningful difference in their lives, how do you see people sabotaging themselves? I mean, my guess is that they do it much more often without knowing that's what they're doing, because if they knew it was what they were doing, then they'd stop, right? But how does all of this fit into a conversation about counseling people about self-sabotage? Oh, good question again. You're amazing. <laughs> um, well, it's one of the, see, a lot of us do actually know when we're self-sabotaging, but we don't want to be honest enough with ourselves to acknowledge it. And see, and I've been really good at this one too. I, what I grew up with and what I thought was I'll just create an image of myself so that I can put that out there into the world. And I was always trying to find what would be the perfect image. How could people see me so that they don't judge me or so that they see me as who they need to see me as? And while on the, in the meantime, when I was alone, I was just sabotaging myself because I was creating myself as somebody who was not me. And I see that with a lot of people where they, they're not honest enough with themselves to look at it and go, okay, what's really true for me? And when we go against what's true for us is when we go into the self-sabotage. Is, and it may not even be this cognitive thing. Like You might not be sitting there going, you know what, I'm going to destroy myself today. But if you've got that as your point of view, that you know you're making choices in your life that, aren't, that are not what's true for you, that's when we start the judgment, the you know, the self-hatred of ourselves, all of these different things. And rather than go, okay, once again, get present with myself. Is this truly what I desire to choose for my life and living? And I think that part there, the getting honest with yourself, that's really the first step to looking at, okay, what do I, what do I truly desire to create? But I would imagine, I mean, that's really good advice. And I completely agree with what you said. My sense though, is that it's really hard for us to, for some people to even, you know, get there in the first instance, because if they're really true to themselves, then they start to realize that some choices they've made up until this point really don't resonate with who they are anymore. And they're worried about the consequences of shifting to align more with who they really are and what they really want. Do you want to comment on that? Sure. I mean, but, and isn't it interesting that we do that? Like, and I 
once again, I've done that a lot also where you, you make a choice. Like when I started changing my life 11 years ago, I was a tradesman in Australia and I thought that's all I could be. So I was a, I had a tiling business. So I did bathrooms and you know, houses and stuff like that. But I thought that's all I could be. And when I started changing my life around, all of the people that I had in my life at that point, all of the people I would have called friends would say to me, you know, what are you doing? Like, why do all that crazy stuff? Why aren't you just happy with what you've got? And that was, so that change was really uncomfortable because I had to look at it and go, oh, maybe it is selfish for me to desire to be happier, for me to desire to contribute more to the world, for me to desire a future for our planet. And that was the uncomfortable part of change. So for a lot of us, we see the uncomfort is this bad thing. Well, if I make this choice to change and actually go for what it is I desire, I'm going to lose everyone and everything out of my life. And what I've found is as I've chosen what's true for me, everything in my life and even the people around me get greater. They either go into judgment and go, well, you're, you know, I don't want to be around you anymore because blah, blah, blah. And that's one thing. But they may also go, wow, thank you for choosing more for you because you've just inspired me to be something more also. And that's the gift in when you're willing to actually just take those first steps, even when it gets uncomfortable. And I definitely get uncomfort. I have, I, you know, my life is like that now because I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to go for more, make it uncomfortable, but it's not letting those moments stop you and always take another step. And I'll also say with this is recognize that you do know. And one of the things that, you know, we facilitate with access consciousness is empowering people to know what they know, because I don't know what's greater for somebody else. I only know what's greater for me. And so in that is you are the driver of your life and it's getting in touch with that and getting to a sense of what's actually true for you is such a gift because then you know that you've got the tools, you've got the awareness, you've got the courage, you've got it all to move forward if you choose. That's great advice and really, really inspiring. It's hard to believe that we're nearing the end of our first segment together. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners knowing that we're going to transition into part two of our conversation where we really start talking more about, you know, the nitty gritty of new year's resolutions. And sometimes you get to where you need to be by talking about what not to do, but we've covered a lot of ground the last 25 minutes. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners and where can they find you? Oh, final thoughts. I think they'll come in the next part, but they can find <laughs> me at brendanwatt.com, but also check out accessconsciousness.com. We've got a lot of stuff like free stuff online and on YouTube. And there's a lot of facilitators that are offering a lot of information with a lot of different tools. Like we could talk for days on this, but I would say for one thing with this and tying this in is what are some kind choices that you could make for you? And if people like start getting more into the question of having more kindness for themselves I think that their life might actually start getting a lot easier and, and a lot more generative with that energy of kindness above judgment. That is great advice. And I'm really looking forward to 
our second installment where we start taking these principles that you've really made us mindful of in this first segment and applying them to really narrowing down and getting to the nitty gritty of what we want for ourselves in 2022 and beyond. So I'm really looking forward to continuing our conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you will join us for part two of our conversation next week. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.